Today's episode of The Rewatchables on The Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Remember, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. Meanwhile, SeatGeek is the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, March Madness games, and more. For $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event, all you have to do is use promo code REWATCH. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. If you love the movie stuff that we are doing on the Rewatchables podcast, I would encourage you to listen to Channel 33 and subscribe because that is where Sean Fantasy's Big Picture podcast is updated pretty much every week. And he has all the best directors, even some actors, um, everybody in the movie industry. It is a really smart podcast on the whole movie industry. And if you love college basketball, don't forget to check out One Shining Podcast this week. March Madness is upon us. They will give you all the sleepers, all the breakdowns you'd ever want as we hold hands and walk through this tournament together. Speaking of holding hands, come with me for, I think, the second longest rewatchables we've ever done. We taped this a couple weeks ago when Cam Collins from The Ringer and Wesley Morris from formerly of Grantland, now of the New York Times, my old teammate. They were here. Sean Fantasy was here as well. We talked about Creed. It was right after the weekend when Black Panther really just went through the roof and Ryan Coogler, who directed Creed and Black Panther, obviously, um, had become not just the hottest director in Hollywood, but one of the craziest career arcs we've seen. So we talked about that. We talked about uh, everything we loved about this movie. And then it kind of veered into where movie's going. It's all over the place. Hold on to your seats. Here it comes. They came back with Rocky Five. It was one of the worst days of my life. Rocky Six, a lot of mixed feelings. Heard they were doing Creed. I was nervous. It was awesome. The Rewatchables, coming up next. You don't really seem like a boxer to me. My pop was a fighter. He died before I got a chance to meet him. You're a good kid, a good fighter. But this fight, I don't know if you're ready for it. I don't know if I'm ready for it. I need you right now. What are you afraid of? You are Apollo Creed's son, right? So then fight. If there was anybody else in my corner, I wouldn't do it. I got you. Creed, ready PG-13. Wesley Morris from the New York Times is here. Sean, fantasy editor-in-chief of The Ringer is here. Cam Collins. What's your official title at The Ringer? Staff writer. Staff writer. That doesn't sound exciting enough. <laughs> How about if you say it like this? Critic at large? Chief takeologist? Staff Chief takeologist. That's charity. Just, <laughs> just <laughs> charity's nemesis. Uh, we're talking about Creed. It is a movie that only came out in 2015. It is single-handedly carrying the Epics channel, which I'm one of the only people that has. It's on all the time on Epics. I watch it all the time on Epics. I just jump into certain scenes. Epics doesn't seem like they have a lot of movies. I don't know what their library they're working on, but it's like Creed, Anchorman, and like three other movies, and that's all they have. Uh, Ryan Coogler's second movie, second collaboration with Michael B. Jordan. The first Rocky movie not written by Sly Stallone made $174 million. 95% score on Rotten Tomatoes, Sean. 
I know Don't that care. matters to you. It means nothing. And uh, Stallone was nominated for Best Supporting Actor and somehow didn't win. It was a jaw-dropping moment. This is a really good movie, and it's relevant again because these two have teamed up yet again now for the third straight time for Black Panther, which is a phenomenon. Wesley, where do you want to begin? Uh, can we talk about this as a boxing cancer love story movie? Sure. Okay. <laughs> it's your world. It's not my world. I don't know. Where should we start? Uh, should we talk about it first as, well, let's talk about it first as a Rocky movie. Yeah. So just to give it some context, Rocky Five murdered the Rocky franchise in 1990. I saw it with my buddy Jim Grady in, uh, out, I think, Syracuse, New York, and built a whole weekend in college around it. And it was a disaster. And we just ended up getting bombed. Uh, Rocky Balboa came out 06. People try to talk themselves into it. It's fine. I think it's pretty good. It's okay. It's some good it's fight fine. scenes. There's some good fights. The sun's scenes, good. The fight scenes are good. Mm. The, love, like, the love story is not good. No. It changed the way that some boxing scenes were filmed, right? Didn't it? It did, a, it it did, did some it did new the, things. Like an HBO. Yeah. Like it seemed like an actual telecast. It decided to skip over the fact that Rocky was brain damaged in, uh, I just spilled <laughs> water all over myself, in Rocky Five. <laughs> Yeah, that he was like legit brain damaged, and in Rocky Six he wasn't. That's fine. <laughs> Creed comes out, and I think we're just supposed to pretend that Rocky Five and Six never happened. I'm willing to pretend. I I don't even remember what happened in Five and Six. So I mean, by all means, well, Five just Tommy re- Guns played by Tommy Morrison. So that's out. They pretend. Right. That oh, that's happened. right. That was that one. They canceled Five. I'm not sure if they canceled Six. They never really clarified because he wins in Six, right? And at like 50 years old and we're just meant to believe that he win. But there are moments in Creed when it's clear that Balboa is still an icon, even in the minds of like yes. young people, like, yes. like right. Bianca, like um, yes. Tessa Thompson's character. Like she identifies Rocky Balboa immediately. Right. Hero your dad, the- your dad is, is rock. Wait, let me, let me get her bad Philadelphia accent. Just right. <laughs> your, your dad is Rocky Balboa. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you giving me that look? When were you going to tell me that your uncle's Rocky Balboa? I'm going to call you. All right, I'm not going to hold my breath. I didn't even I notice mean, that that was a bad accent. I didn't even try really, to do Philly accent. We got, we got to talk about that. She and Joanne Woodward are the two people who, in, in Philadelphia, Joanne Woodward in Philadelphia, two people who didn't have to do it. Right. But did it. <laughs> Joanne Woodward won. Good company. Tessa Thompson. I'm glad you brought This is a great subject. Yeah. You don't always have to do the accent. No, you don't always like really Chris accent. Hemsworth in the in the classic Michael Mann movie Black Hat. <laughs> you didn't need to do a New York accent; just be Australian. One of my best friends is a really serious Black Hat person, and I is it I, Chris Ryan? No, it's my friend Eric Hines. Who uh, Chris, Ryan's really, Eric Hines Chris Ryan tries to pretend he's not a Black Hat person, but if you ask him any question for that movie, by the way, shout out to the homie Chris Ryan who was supposed to be in this and uh, had to go away and we're doing without him. I'm holding it down for and Philly Chris Ryan. I knew this was like a top five rewatchable. I'm, like, yeah. I'm like the RC Cola to Chris's Coca-Cola. Like, no. This is a really a cut rate. I shouldn't be here, but I'm happy to fill in the slot. I actually would have bumped this, but the Eagles beat the Pats and he's had a weird smirk on his face for three weeks. <laughs> so fuck that guy. Um, so Creed, re- the most interesting thing about this movie is that Sly... Gave up the steering wheel. Didn't write it. Didn't direct it. He's not the star of it. He's in it. 
it's great for him. I, but I, I got an Expendables. I got yeah. another Expendables to try to write. Uh, this man, Kugler. Uh, <laughs> giving, the, giving the, letting, letting Kugler take the race. Uh, that nice reveal station. Uh. <laughs> the response here is thank God. I mean, thank God. Oh, thank, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God <laughs> that Sly bought into Ryan Kugler's vision and agreed to let him t- do this movie. Um, this Imagine Sly trying to direct this movie. It would so that's not one, work. So that's so. On the one hand, an unbelievable stroke of luck that Sly didn't just say, "There's no way you're doing this unless I get to write direct it." The second stroke of luck is they stumble into Ryan Coogler, who's only made one movie, who is I think 28 years old at the time, and who now that we are looking at the first three movies that he's made, is clearly one of the most talented directors we've had in like the last 35 years. And he's just randomly doing a sports movie. He's like so overqualified to do a sports movie. And it's great. And I think that's the biggest reason it's special is because he's great. I think that, I mean, I don't, I don't know why uh, Sly Stallone sort of let Ryan take over. But I appreciate that Ryan Coogler, I think Sly Stallone is a good actor, but not always. But I think that his performance in this movie is beautiful. Yeah, um, I agree. I actually I think disappointed he didn't win. I, I, I'm, I'm disappointed too. Um because I think I think maybe it's good that he he wasn't directing, so he could just focus on, you know, bearing the weight of the history of this franchise in this movie, but in a way that's really sad, um, but beautiful. I, I think that the connection between the two of them is romantic is a weird word, but more romantic to me than the connection it's, between. It's uh, romantic. It, it is romantic, right? And it's can't romantic. you see the off-screen, on-screen parallel too between you know? Adonis and, and Rocky and, and Ryan and Stallone. And there's, yep. there's definitely yeah. something yes. correlative between those two Ryan things. Ryan talks about it. And when I had uh, MBJ in my pod with, in 2015, and he said this was a really personal movie for Ryan because his mom had died of cancer. He had just lost his dad. And that part of the story really resonated with him. Hmm. During the filming, Sly Stallone lost his son. And there's a scene when uh, – when, Adonis moves into Rocky's house and he's in Polly's room and, and there's a picture, the picture. Of, of Sly yeah. and his son and they, they do a close up of the picture and, and that was a really big scene behind the scenes. Apparently uh, Sly Stallone did not want to have the picture in there. It was too emotional for him. They talked him into it. They explained to him why they thought it was important. They played it a certain way. And if you look at like his eyes in that scene, like he's really upset and you feel it and it's just cool. I mean, there's a lot of little stuff like that, that only a really super great director, I think would be able to pull off. And that's why it's a special movie. I Stallone is a really interesting, I mean, this is, let's have the Stallone conversation. This should go go without saying, but Sylvester Stallone, what an interesting movie star. The biggest star you can't get bigger than he was from like 82 to 86. Um, you can't, as a movie star, you 82 can't. 82 to 80, you're going to go, you're not going to, you're, would you go back a little farther? No, I'm just saying by the, by eight, by 82, it's not a fluke anymore. Right. Oh, right, it's, sure. he, he is does, consecrated. He as, does Rocky three and first yeah. blood in the same year, basically. Yeah. yeah and yeah. that yeah. whole run he had all the way through 86, it was like, he was the biggest star in the world by far. Yeah. And, 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 compelling in some way, like despite against all odds, this is something that'll tell you something about, about Hollywood and their determination to let, just let white men win. Yeah. Like <laughs> against every odd, imagine a black Sylvester Stallone. Who, who would that be? 
Just pick some pick up pick somebody with all of Carl like, Weathers. I- <laughs> oh well, no, because Carl Weathers, when he speaks, I can understand what he says. <laughs> <laughs> Carl Weathers is is conventionally handsome. Mm-hmm. Sure. The problem with Carl Weathers is he doesn't have the thing that Stallone has, which is he's not charismatic in the way that Stallone is. I mean, mm-hmm. you can see it in the movies when he and Carl Weathers are together. Like Carl Weathers is everything you'd want in a movie star, but he's missing the secret sauce that Stallone has. Stallone, I don't know, is Stallone a good actor? He, I, I think he, he's had the capacity of being a good actor. Yes. I think he's good in First Blood, which is- Nobody, everybody thinks of those Rambo movies now. It's just he's in Vietnam. First you lied to me! First Blood, the monologue's <laughs> a good movie. Yeah, no, I yeah, mean, yeah. it really is. And his monologue at the end is like really good. It's a movie that's been also just like recontextualized and people think it's different than what it really is. Yeah. It's supposed yeah. to be, a, you know, an anti-war story about what happens to people who get too close to violence. And it, it changed when, when it's First not. Blood Part Two came out because then that changed what that movie was supposed no, to First mean. First Blood's a movie about... The Vietnam War is happening and people are protesting and then the Vietnam War veterans are coming home and they can't fit back in whatever society is. Right. Right. He's great in Copland, which I bought hook, That's line, and sinker. Yeah. Yeah. I like I, Copland yeah. and this this Rocky performance is very close to the yes. Copland kind of Stallone. Can I, look, I'll just say one thing. I grew up in a household that was really big on the Lords of Flatbush and Paradise Alley. Ooh, Those were like wow. two big movies that my, my mom showed me when I was a kid. Your and mom just voluntarily showed those to you? Yeah. Well, that's that's why I am the way I am now. Man. And uh, I got the letter. Oh, that's <laughs> that's not as good. But so I think when you like when you see Paradise Alley and you you start to believe in like the mythology of him not as a movie star but as a person who can like invent his own career and life and point of view and he wrote and he writes and directs movies and the Rocky mythology is Sylvester Stallone couldn't get a movie couldn't get a movie star part so he wrote a movie star part. And he made Rocky into this thing. And it's I'm sure his unconventional handsomeness and charisma and and male whiteness was a factor. But well, not the whiteness part. That was that was like, you know, written in into the ether. Right. It's like, you know, yeah, right. that wasn't like a look. There's uh, some yeah, there's definitely some racial shit going on with the Rocky thing, which I did not see. Well, see, Claudio Senor, I mean <laughs> well, when it gets to Rocky three, it's like when it gets to Rocky three, I'm saying Rocky run and Rocky two. It's it's there. It's undeniable. But Rocky three, it's like let's just own this. Oh, let's, well, let's, let's make yes. this super. Yes, like right. like uh, Clubber Lang's basically they're retiring. His name is Clubber Lang, by the way. Clubber Lang, and he's telling Stallone he's going to have <laughs> sex with his wife. He's like, hey woman, hey woman. It's like that. <laughs> yeah. That's when they're just like, fuck it, let's go with this. Before okay. we get into what Coogler. Is is quite, I would say, audaciously trying to do with Creed. Let's just stay with Stallone for a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, go on. Twist my arm. Uh, <laughs> Cliffhanger's a good movie, and Stallone's really good. Wow. Movie. There you go. My oh, first two hot takes of the day. He, it's I don't entertaining. Think that's a hot take. He's no, a movie star. Cliffhanger's a legitimately good movie. It is. I don't so think, is. What's the tunnel good, one? What's the tunnel one? Night, daylight. 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 Daylight's also daylight. a good it's movie. It's Cliffhanger in a tunnel. <laughs> I love daylight. I you're rooting against all the people he's trying to save because they're so annoying. But at some Everyone point. Everyone in that tunnel should have died except yeah. for him. But at some point. You know, you know, what happened is that like he created, he helped create something. He created the act, the American action star. And then you, he made it possible for all of these sort of weird looking guys in the seventies to become to, for more weird looking guys in the eighties to take over 
are are action movies. Schwarzenegger, so, Van Damme, Seagal. All of those guys. Right. None of those guys. It's really good looking. I mean, in in the way that we think of movie stars, it's a holdover from the from the so called ethnics of the seventies, right. of which Stallone right. was one. And Stallone and Rocky was basically doing Brando, except he like by Brando standards couldn't act, but he had a kind of Brando animal magnetism, a brute and charm. that's what he played. Yeah, I think uh, the best example of that is in Rocky One when he goes to the arena the day of the fight. And he realizes he's not going to win, and he comes back and he talks to Adrian, and it's like it's not a very well acted scene, but he's so likable. There's in it a that tenderness, like, yeah. and Talia Shire is kind of carrying like, him. If I could just go the, the distance line. with Creed, just <laughs> he's not great, but it's like I'm so in on Stallone at that point. Yeah, he's not someone I go to for like good acting technique, right? But I, maybe that's what surprises me about Creed is that his performance in Creed is that. I don't know. Technique is the word, but it's he the, doesn't. It's probably the word. He, he, yeah, he doesn't muscle his way through scenes in the same way. It's very like quiet and very weighty I in a way s- that I, I think you don't expect of him. Yeah. I would say Stallone and Tom Cruise are the two actors we've had who always knew who they were. Like Stallone, I don't know if he's well, ever. Who played- else could he be? Well, that's the thing. <laughs> but but here's the thing. Stallone never played a villain. Right. I'm thinking about that. One time he took a chance with stop my mom can, or my mom (laughs) mom will shoot. shoot. Um, (laughs) I thought that was a comedy, but I guess like rhinestone, he tried to sing. Oh yeah. And that was with Dolly Parton. Can I just tell everybody listening? For the most part, he stayed on brand all the time. If you want to see, like we've only scratched the surface on this rhinestone. You got to see him and Dolly Parton in rhinestone. Uh, It's on YouTube. And, the I other, may have watched it in the last nine months. And if you want to know what you're missing from your movies in 2018 that you were definitely getting in 86 and 85 and 84, why don't you treat yourself a little bit of over the top? That's. I was just going to say, I think I learned about the concept of good, bad movies from from Stallone. Because well, I thought you were going to say from me. I was so honored. No. Well, <laughs> I, maybe I was drawn to you for that Because I love over the top. Well, Co- Cobra and over the top come one, too, oh, at the same time. Cobra, Cobra. is and actually just a bad movie. He they're, was they're bad. Bad. on TV all the time yep. when I'm growing up. Yep. And I'm, I watched them over and over again. He was very sexy And I was Cobra. so drawn to them, even though I knew that they were kind of bad. I would watch with my friend Chris growing up over the top over and over again on WPIX on Saturdays. And- Holy shit, that movie's bad. And it's amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. so fun and crazy and weird. It's an arm wrestling movie. Me, I was me gonna say halfway. It's, it's probably the best arm wrestling slash divorce movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who the other candidates are. It's um, really good. I like that he wins the truck at the end, and then apparently his son just gives up. Yes, he just gives yes. up school. He's just going to travel the country with the they sun. They just and truck. don't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I mean, although wow. they, Hugh Jackman, yeah, you might recall in Real Steel Uh-oh. was under similar circumstances, over the doing top a similar thing. It was that was over the top, but but virtual. Like, what do we call rock'em sock'em? I don't know what yes, we call yeah. that. I, but, Gosh, um, well, I, do, I do think though, there's certain people from that generation that people love when they come back, and then other ones who have just kind of run their course. You know, like Tarantino was good at this, right? Like he, he never wanted to give up on Travolta. Right. And it's like Pulp Fiction, whenever other people fell through and he's just like, I fucking love John Travolta. That guy's still a star. I'm bringing him back. We see that from time to time, but it doesn't always work. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger, there's too much baggage now. 
Yeah. But yeah. Stallone and Creed, you're like, oh, I love this guy. I'm so glad he's in a good role in a good movie. This is, it's probably my favorite thing about the movie. It was very similar to Burt Reynolds in Boogie Nights to me. Yeah. That's yeah. Like another we one. were ready to love him again. Yeah. It just mm-hmm. needed to be in the right rapper. Except okay. I hope he liked being in Creed more than Burt Reynolds. I think liked. he probably <laughs> did. He probably had a little more agency <laughs> there too. But there's, yeah. some, there's some people I don't feel that way about. Like, I don't feel that way about Bruce Willis anymore. Wait till you see Death Wish. Well, I know I'm going to like that, even though you said there's some issues. Well, that's a different rewatchable. There's going to be takes, right? <laughs> a lot of takes. Yeah, yeah. There's, mm. but it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's are, a movie of its moment <laughs> in, in so many ways. A lot of these people have tried to revivify themselves, right? Like Schwarzenegger has ma- has been doing stuff again since he left office. Jean Claude Van Damme has been trying to do this like postmodern vision. Right. Uh, Steven Seagal is this weird like fake news Russian truther now. All of these guys from that era that Stallone inspired have made Norris. an effort. Yeah, Chuck Norris is a political figure and is on TV all the time. Yeah. Stallone's the only one who's made anything that people are like, that's good. I like that. Yeah. Cre- and, Cre- and Creed is the be- it's the best thing he's done in the 21st century. Is it because he's not being a tryhard? I mean, like, I, I, I think it's because he's the I, most naturally talented and always was. I mean, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but and we, we, I would even add naturally likable. As a like, like watching him go through cancer, do you really? It, I felt like one of my family members was going. Through, I've known Sly Stallone my whole life. Right. I saw Rocky when I was six. There's a naturalism to him that doesn't yeah. that is sort of secretly technically proficient as well. I mean, you see it and you can see it in Creed. But before we let me just remind some people of some things. You might all remember that Stallone. One of his one of the movies he directed was a little movie called. Staying alive. <laughs> and Do you might recall who the, who the star of Staying Alive was. A little Mr. John Travolta. JT. And Mr. Stallone talked a little Mr. Travolta and is spending the last 20 minutes of that movie making what I would say is the most amazing bad piece of filmmaking I have maybe have ever seen. <laughs> in which wow. John Travolta... And Fanola Hughes, who all my soap opera fans out there yeah. will know, was on General Hospital for a long time. G.H. The two of them, toe-to-toe, in the crazy, savage dance-off where Travolta is oiled the fuck up. For 20 minutes, they're just dancing in a loincloth. And a loincloth. Somehow that was the most homoerotic performance he had of the decade, because then he was perfect. <laughs> he was perfect the next year. It just Sly Stallone's vision of masculinity it, is a whole other podcast. It's so <laughs> crazy. <laughs> I mean, Sean, he could have done anything, and he chose to make a sequel to Saturday Night Fever, in which John Travolta spends twenty minutes in the in this sequence oiled up in in underwear. You left out the Frank Stallone soundtrack. Here's my, here's here's my defense of Stallone. I think you throw out everything that happened from seventy eight to eighty four. Mm-hmm. I think everyone was doing so much cocaine. Don't, that we, don't we lose Rocky too? Then don't, don't. No, I'm just, no, I'm not saying just like the decisions. Oh, I see. I think you just have to assume that there was just an incredible. Anytime something doesn't add up, just assume there are mounds of cocaine somewhere <laughs> near somebody at okay. some point. So before we go back to Creed, I just want to yeah. say some other stuff about Stallone that's really important Please. to think yeah. about. This, this is, I, I almost need a shower. I'm, um, <laughs> so, I'm just going to give you some names and I want you to just like, that I know this, that I'm about to tell you something that I remember this. And mm. it's been so many years later. Brigitte Nielsen, mm-hmm. 
Jennifer Flavin. Yeah. Do these names mean anything to you? They were their own girlfriends. Yeah. Why do I know that? I don't know. It's crazy, but that was a thing. Well, At the time, we were all up in his personal life too. Well, he was like going on Joan Rivers and yeah, talking right. about this stuff. Yeah. Like people were following him everywhere, talking about his he love was life. The biggest star we had. It was crazy. He made Brigitte Nielsen a star by dating her. Yes. Jennifer Flavin, why do I know that name? <laughs> what didn't did they sue each other? Wasn't there like a there's some sort of legal situation yeah, there too? But I mean, see, Cam, you missed all this stuff. Yeah, his relationships were news too. How, do I How old are you, Cam? Nelson? I'm 30. Yeah, so you, so that's 1987. Yeah. Oh, so you, by the time you started remembering Stallone, he was already like coming back. Yeah, but I, I mean, but my mom like lo- loves Stallone. Um, is he, like I grew up with a Mom's lot of his Mom's stuff. Mom's loves Stallone. Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> stuff. Like I was, I was very too. familiar. I was yeah. very familiar. But things like staying alive, I didn't get to until like college when someone's like, have you heard of this? Um, and like YouTube is just starting and just watching a clip of it and being like, what the fuck is this? He's, Amazing. He's yeah. a fascinating movie star. He's like um, yeah. like uh, the guys who were in like wrestling pictures in the 30s, you know, where he's just like hired for his brute physical appearance. But then underneath that, there's more than you bargained for. He's just a really he's Wallace Beery Wallace is what Beery. you're saying. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and I think with the Coogler MBJ thing, like some when somebody's that big of a star, they're always going to think they're the biggest star on the mm-hmm. set, in the mm-hmm. room, in, in the restaurant, wherever they are. That never fades away. It's like my mom's theory of any woman who's pretty when they're 18 is going to continue to think they're pretty for the rest of their life, no matter what they end up looking like. Oh, they're no. going to carry themselves from true. that point on like they're beautiful. Also a different podcast. Yeah. Well, that's my mom's <laughs> podcast would be probably get us all probably get that bankrupt going. the ringer. The remommables. Um, yeah. Oh. <laughs> There's takes, and, there's takes, and then there's my mom's takes. But uh, but yes, yeah, Stallone. I'm sure. I'm sure it was intimidating for those guys. Coogler was 28. Yeah. MBJ had fruit fail, but wasn't wasn't like he is now. And those guys, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of cajoling. I think they both ended up liking him. I think a lot of a lot of people had the reaction when this was announced after seeing Fruitvale and hearing a lot about Ryan's story and his short films. Were like, this is a huge mistake. This is a major yeah, error. Really? I, I put yeah. myself in the group. Yeah. I I will. I mean, because I'm one to sort of tell people what they should and shouldn't be doing. <laughs> I was definitely like, why would he do this? Yeah. But then I just was like, well, why shouldn't he do it? The whole point for me of a young black director having a little bit of agency is to have a little bit of agency. And if this is a, like the story, of course, is that he been, he had been wanting to make this movie for a long time. Yeah, he was like yeah. a ten out of ten on the Rocky fan scale. Right. Yeah, and so totally inspired that, by Apollo and yeah. all that. Yeah, he wanted he to really do this before he made Fruitvale Station. Right. And I yeah, just, that's it. MBJ told that story on my podcast that they wanted to do it before Fruitvale, but they had no they had no cachet at all. And it wasn't until after Fruitvale that they had the cachet to even talk Sly into it. But even with Fruitvale, I'm surprised that they had the cachet. Not because Fruitvale isn't good, but because it's a it's a jump. It, this is kind of a leap, right? But yeah, it, it but seemed it, it seemed like too big of a leap as it was happening. Now we know the guys. Well, friend. we also, but you have to also remember what was going on in the industry at that time too. All kinds of guys who were making some version of not Fruitvale content or thematic wise, but but. In terms of making a little movie that you don't know what the ne- person's going to do next, then going on to do something else in Hollywood, 
like right. un, quote untested unquote. That was a thing that was happening, and so it was. the idea that Ryan Coogler was going to that wasn't going to be sucked into the into the machine, but was like trying to find a a, a way to somewhat honestly and truthfully get it like be a part of that machine right colin trevorrow went from a small movie to jurassic world ryan coogler went from a small movie to creed and the way you choose to fit into a different hollywood economy is fascinating i mean there's i can only think of one other person who in the tic-tac-toe of the first three films is even close and it's like sugarland express jaws close encounters that's right to me Mm -hmm. Fruitvale, Creed, Black but even Panther. Spielberg had Duel before that. Yes, and, you and had been directing that. television yeah. for five Duel years. Duel was really good. Duel is great. I really like Duel. Duel's great. But like, uh, yeah, that's right. Spielberg had ten more years' experience. Yeah, Coogler, first film, first feature length film, second feature length film, third feature length film. That this this is what he was able to do. And I would say if if we were having the uh, fantasy draft for movie directors for like the next twenty years of their movies. I would say he might be my first pick. I think it's him and Chazelle and Barry Jenkins. That's the wait. What is our what are what are our cutoffs or our timelines or whatever? Just like you're buying stock in the next twenty years of their movies. You you, under forty. Under under forty. But PTA could be in that conversation. He's He's a little older. He's older than forty. You get next twenty years of his movies, right? Uh, But what's our cutoff? Is forty our cutoff? I'm saying from 2018 to 2038. Oh. Who's going to make the best movies? Oh, well, I mean, Coogler's in there, Barry Jenkins, Damien Chazelle. Uh, I think this guy, Trey Edward Schultz, I think, I don't know mm. what his next movie is going to be, but that guy is so effing talented. What about the dudes who made Good Time? I don't like the Safety Brothers. I'm just going to say I do not like the Safety Brothers. Yes. I think those guys are total frauds. Oh! And, wow, this and, is our first hell? major and, divergence. Oh, my and, God. And, yeah. and, and Eric Hines, this my really good friend, who also, oh, man. who's also all in on 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 Black Hat, loves the Safety Brothers. We also disagree on this. I just don't buy those guys. I just don't buy them. You didn't like I'm, Good Time? I'm, no, not at all. Wow. Uh, but wow. I'm, I'm, oh my God. I'm open. I'm open to having my mind changed, but I don't like those guys. So what you're about, not excited about 48 hours? What about 48 hours with, with Tiffany Haddish as Regina Hammond? Oh, wow. Yeah. I, <laughs> I do have good Wait, is that happening? Because uh, uh, it's just, it's just wait, oh, wait, are you through that one should, I got excited. Can, wow. can, wait, can I just, and this is, we're, we're, we're down a little bit of a rabbit hole here, but. Is is the point of what you guys just brought up that the Safety brothers are doing forty eight hours? Yeah, that's yeah. Right. Oh, oh, fuck you, man! <laughs> <laughs> that's why I hate Good Time because those guys wanted to make forty eight hours. I mean, that movie is like I, I'm telling you, man. Those guys are frauds. Oh man, I can't believe this. Oh man, and that's but no, I watched that movie. I watched that movie, and what I'm watching is two guys. Trying, hey, over here, dude! Throw us a franchise. Throw us a remake. I don't believe anything about that movie, and I think its politics are f- fucked up. That's one thing, but every move in that movie is from somebody movie. else. Sure, the, like, so are movies. Anyway, They're sorry, movies. Yeah. Zach, just cut that out and make that a little breakout on <laughs> our Twitter feed. <laughs> Wesley Boris goes into oh! the safties. Sorry, uh, <sighs> let's let's dive into Creed here. Forty-eight hours. <laughs> Most rewatchable Creed scene. Oh, I might have to revive Wesley. 
the uh, the Andre Ward cameo <laughs> when MPJ climbs in the ring <laughs> and decides to take out the whole gym, and then Andre Ward shows up is like, no, actually, I'm going to knock you out. I just love that part. Uh, this is tough because. I think there's three great scenes in this movie that I really love. And every time I'm flipping channels, they're on. I'm and really I curious to, to hear what those are. The Creed versus Leo two round filmed in one shot boxing yeah. match. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, is really one of the all time. I don't know how the fuck they did this scenes. Mm-hmm. And every time I watch that, I'm just like, how do they do this? Yeah. Did they, and I remember he talked about it on the pod I did, but now I, I want to talk about it with him again. Like, he did he have to remember every single punch? And then even when he knocks him down, it cuts to MBJ, and then it cuts to Sly Stallone, and then the camera whirls back around. Like, it, it is just incredible we, filmmaking. We have to talk about Maurice Alberti, who shot this movie. Yes. She's a great cinematographer, and... Name a movie that you like. She probably shot like the most interesting looking thing. She did Velvet Goldmine, the Todd Haynes movie. She did We Don't Live Here Anymore, a a not good movie that is amazing looking. Um, it feels like she cut her teeth on this with the wrestler, and she shot the wrestler. wrestler, She shot a lot of documentaries, shoulder ambiance when a fighter's getting ready stuff. But but this is a testament also to how good Ryan Coogler is because. I think this is a way better shot movie than The Wrestler. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. And, and it's so imaginative and inventive in how – oh, let's keep going because I think this well, is – I, I think mean, yeah. the seven-minute reviving uh, Sly from cancer slash training scene slash mm. culminating mm. with the ATVs outside of, uh, outside of Sly's house. I'm getting a chill and right now. Me- I just got me- chill. Yeah. A and genuine like, stand-up-in-your-seat moment. The urban 2015 version of Gonna Fly Now, 40 years yep. later. It's so fucking good. Every that, time it's yep. on, I'm like, I'm just in. I'm in for these seven minutes. Completely. And then uh, the 11th and 12th rounds of the final fight mm. are just great. And mm-hmm. and Sly wants to throw the towel. And MBJ does the whole, I got to prove I'm not a mistake. And it just, I just tapping him in the back of the head so he knows how many fingers to see and everything. It's just great. It's yeah. just a great five minutes. Stressful uh, as hell. Yes. I think I personally think the the two round boxing match in one shot. I think that's the best boxing scene I've ever seen in my life. Here's, that's who I would vote for. Here's my that's my vote too, and there's a reason for it. We've we've all seen like hundreds of boxing scenes in movies, hundreds of fights. Yes. You know, all the Rocky franchise, <clears throat> Raging Bull, uh, t- tons of scenes. That scene is not only like technically masterful, but when Stallone gets in the ring and basically gives him the tip on what to do. And Jordan's character responds to the tip and knocks and way him out. later, like a minute after yes. later. Yes. Yeah. It is, it's like, it's storytelling. You know, it's yeah. not just yep. that he's a good fighter. It's not just that the movie looks cool. It's the, it's the building the bond, their relationship, trusting each other. And then Bianca jumping into the ring after she wins. And she's like, I didn't, you didn't tell me you had hands like that. You know, there's that great moment where they like connect. And Can I just say something about that line? Uh, Wesley didn't like Tessa Thompson. <laughs> oh no, it's not about her, but it's like that line is so indicative of what it's like to sleep with him. <laughs> I mean, every time I hear that line, I'm just like, really? That's too bad. 
You've been missing out, baby. <laughs> oh man, I, I have just, no counter argument. <laughs> I just can't. I just can't believe it. They should just put it all out there, threw his shit in the street. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Just, just saying. Cam, you have the ATV scene. I bet. Oh, I, yeah, I absolutely love that scene. Another thing I really love, though, is right before the last fight, that training, like not training, but warming up, the like rocking back yeah, and forth, yeah, yeah. like talking him into it. I think that is phenomenal. I, I think, I mean, I think the whole movie's phenomenal. Right. He gets also, the gloves and the trunks. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that, whole, that whole thing. I also, I mean, I used to like the like the this is a John, that's a John thing, but if her accent's bad, then I can't stand, <laughs> then I can't stand. That jo- the John <laughs> thing. It's John. It's a John. It's a noun. It's like a seed, these is John's, this is a John, this restaurant was sitting in, this is a John, you were John. You got a John? I do. No. I did see this movie in Philadelphia, actually. I was about to say I didn't see it, but it was with a sleepy crowd. They didn't really, they didn't give me what I wanted. It was, How could you I be was a sleepy crowd? The- Listen, you, you need to go to Philadelphia sometime. If it's not the Super Bowl and the Eagles in the Super Bowl, they oh, don't man. care. But- there was something about that whole John thing that like once you call attention to it, for anybody that hasn't seen the movie and doesn't know what we're talking about, basically there's a, uh, Bianca uses the term John uh, to, to say, like, she just uses it the way you would normally use it. Like, you know, that's my John over there or like, oh, that John. But you need the accent to not, if, if, if she had the accent, he would never have had to ask what a John was because mm. he wouldn't have really understood what she said, but he would have known. It just was a weird thing. And then she has to explain it. And then she has to use the word to explain it. Oh, man. I love Tessa Thompson. So what was your most rewatchable? Mine? The one shot box. You guys took mine. Uh, not, no, this is. I, I agree, I agree with you guys. I also think that that can't, the, the scene where he vomits in the ring mm. and you know that he's sick. Um, it is, it is a, it is a painterly, it is a, it is a sort of Renaissance lighting painting situation and how dark the, 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 the background is and how like starkly in relief against that background they are. And you don't really know what's going on, but you, I mean, well, you kind of knew if you've ever been to a movie, you know, he's like got cancer, but there's just something really beautiful about how that's handled and that the presentation of his illness is happening in a boxing ring. And they put a they put a fine point on it later, which is basically I think Michael Jordan basically says to him to get him to go to the to the chemotherapy is something like, um, uh, you know, if you if I'll fight, if you fight or something like right. that, or if I'm I'm not going to fight, if you don't fight or something like that. And I, I just thought that sequence is so, it's just beautiful. Everything, so many things in this movie are needlessly beautiful. Yeah. This didn't have to look this good. This didn't have to be that professional. Yeah, there's that scene when they kiss for the first time. And the kissing is also bad he, in this movie. Well, jeez, <laughs> really out on Bianca. They, they flip it around so that their heads are upside down. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's just distinct. There's that other shot when they go on the date for the first time and- they're in the booth, and in the first part of it, he shoots them from the side, so you just see the halves of the booths that they're in, mm-hmm. but then eventually makes it... Like, he's doing all this shit in this movie that every time I watch it, I see stuff. You know, like, the, oh, that's cool. The first time I saw it, I knew... I just had complete confidence in the movie, pretty much from Felicia Rashad's performance in the first scene. 
Yeah. yeah. The way that she talks to young Creed, like the way that she spaces out her replies and doesn't say, but says in the way that she, in the tone of her voice, like, yeah. no, I'm not, you know, like the, the, the sense of history in the way that she performs it. It's like, yeah. it's a small scene and a small performance, but she also stands out to me. Like she yeah. doesn't have to be as good as she is. I very much up. remember her being in this movie. I think she, even before that moment too, when they, when we're in the juvenile detention facility and the camera is on like a zip line, when it cuts through the hallway yeah. and runs and there's the fight happening kind yeah. of in the yep. television area like that. That's just it's like more high level happening. than a movie like this had to be. Also, to, to, to your point. you know what's interesting? When the scene when she goes to meet him, uh, when, when Felicia Rashad's character goes to, to see him for the first time in that center, the shot, the framing of the shot is the camera's on her and then there's a doorway. And then all the way in, in, in a deep focus, out of focus, though, uh, leaning against... Uh, a, a wall or a desk or something is the woman is, you know, the guidance counselor or the social worker or whatever, keeping an eye on the two of them. Right. And they, I mean, that, that shot goes on for about a, maybe a little about a little bit like, like a minute. Yeah. I just, what a weird choice, but a choice that tells you what the stakes are right. and what normal operating procedure is in a place like that. Right. It just, there's so many really good touches. This guy, he's even such the a guy that Jim, Leo's dad, who wants Rock to train, and Rock's starting to go there, and they'll sneak him in like Rock will be training Michael B, and you'll see that you'll see Leo's dad, and just in the background that like you barely notice him, kind of like eyeballing them and watching what's going on. Right, a lot of good touches. Yeah, a lot of really really good touches. What's your, what is was your pick for the scene? I, the two round boxing match, I would go with, but. I also ride with the ATV scene. Oh, I love that scene. Yeah. I just think that's so cool. I get so fired up. It's got a new My context kids with, love the, it. with the Eagles Super Bowl, too, and, yeah. and Meek Mill being the soundtrack. Yeah, thanks everything. for bringing that up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my kids like Creed. My kid, Rocky's too slow for my kids. My kids will... Huh. Rocky 3, it's Rocky slow. 4, they can get through. Rocky 1's slow. Uh, Creed, is that's kind of like their version of Going to Fly Now. Mm. You know, it's well, just keeps- the generational aspect of it, I think, is really cool and yeah. could have gone really badly in the wrong hands, you know, where they're like, hey, we should have a hip hop song here. Like, you're the wrong director. Like, that's an awful scene. Yeah. Well, the yeah. the idea that you would take uh, you would take Bill Conti's score and keep alluding to it for the whole movie. I mean, it doesn't depart from it. It honors it in so many ways. Great slow motion in that scene, too. Like that comes. It's playing the Meek Mill. And you're into it, and then all of a sudden it goes slow mo, and everything stops, and it just gets super quiet for a couple seconds. It's, it's really nice. I just uh, got. I and mean, also I'm, the theme hits as the final round begins. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're like, oh, yeah. that's like so casting, chill. Uh, casting what ifs. Couldn't find any. It's it, usually that stuff doesn't surface for about ten years, and it's probably all inaccurate on the internet. Mm. I think this seemed like Coogler and MBJ and Sly. I don't know. If anyone else is, I assume Tessa Thompson. Thompson's the only one who was sort of like they had to audition people and bring people in, right? Yeah, I, I mean, nobody, yeah. she yeah. did the best she could with a part she made a bold choice with. Right. Yeah. You know, I sure. mean. You think uh, she like had a friend from Philly that she was emulating I'm, I, or something? You know, I was thinking about like <laughs> what made her do it. Yeah. But I honestly think that like that person, that person has to be from Philadelphia in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Right. And like making her look like Lisa Bonet, which is like mm-hmm. a very specific mm-hmm. Philadelphia type. 
I mean, it immediately. I know. It's a I know. I, like. I know where. She, I know where she lives. I know kind of what her story is, which is not great. I just there's a lot. She's Can you tell of, us more about how Lisa Bonet influenced the fashion slash look choices of that year? Lisa Bonet was woman? everywhere between okay. between Zoe Kravitz determining that she was going to look like her mother mm-hmm. for for a little bit. Great choice. Um, I, no, who would object to that? Mm-hmm. Um, between and Lisa Bonet sort of being out with Jason Momoa, like you know, on the town right. with her man. Hollywood's it, weirdest couple. It's weirdest couple though. I think there's like a 20 year age difference. Anytime there's an age difference like that, I'm always fascinated. <laughs> I'm delighted by the two they of them. They are a, se- yeah? it's a okay. sexy they couple. Smart, smart, sexy couple. smart move by and both of them. You can only tell that there's an age difference because you looked it up. Like, I mean, it's not like you can nah, look I'm, at them and be like, Lisa oh, Bonet looks exactly in, the same. I'm still in right. love with Lisa Bonet. I don't I mean, care. I think America, <laughs> I think America kind of is too. And I, 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 whatever Bill Cosby, it's complicated, right? Cause, cause of how we know her, but. But I think also what you're she, saying is like. She's angel heart. Her, she, her, yeah. But like her vision of beauty, what she looks like is a, is a very um, powerful vision of beauty mm-hmm. now yes. in 2018. Like yes. that is yeah. considered an ideal in many ways. And she's yeah. like a, she's very responsible yeah. for that. And we uh, never gave her credit for like how black that beauty was despite. The bad accent. Well, uh, no, no, no. Well, not Lisa Bonet. Uh, I mean, not Tessa Thompson. Lisa Bonet. This kick, this did kickstart like a, a little bit of a Tessa Thompson movement too. I mean, I, I was, I'm, I'm with her since back I'm in pro. Veronica Mars days. But, but Absolutely, you know, thank she's, you. She's, <laughs> she's, you know, Thor Ragnarok. That was a big look for her. She is going to be an increasingly famous person. She's in Annihilation, which Annihilation. is out now. You know, like she's, she's probably going to be a movie star. And that's that's interesting that this is kind of where it starts. She's good on Westworld. I love Lisa Bonet and it still kills me that she died in Enemy of the State because I don't even like seeing her Why did she have to die in the movie? Completely unnecessary. It makes no sense. That's a really good movie, by the way. I haven't seen it in a minute, actually. That's the lost great Will Smith movie. But she was his ex, right? She was his ex, right? They used to date. Yeah, but they had a history. Yeah, why did she die, though? Because they couldn't have, morally, they couldn't have... Regina King's character and yeah. Lisa Bonet's character. Only one NBC daughter gets to live. <laughs> it was some bullshit. And it it has to be it has to be Regina King. We're behind <laughs> schedule. The Dion Waiters Award, best heat check performance by a role player. Tough category. Mm. Tessa Thompson, Wood Harris, Andre Ward, and uh and my winners, Kornheiser and Wilbon. Oh, they're great. <laughs> Incredible <laughs> heat check by the PTI guys <laughs> having a whole Apollo Creed conversation. <laughs> Welcome to PTI, boys and girls. We begin today with the boxing world. Adonis Johnson, a little-known boxer being trained by Rocky Balboa, handed light heavyweight title contender Leo Spirino a second-round TKO defeat in Philadelphia last night. An anonymous source confirmed to ESPN that Johnson is the youngest biological son of Apollo Creed, fact that was kept under wraps because Johnson was the product of Creed's infidelity. The boxing world is excited to have another Creed in the ring, but Wilbon, does knowledge of this affair damage Apollo Creed's legacy? Damage his legacy? Let's go back for a second, a little history on Apollo Creed. I certainly have him right up there as maybe the best of all time in the discussion. <laughs> Did this hurt his legacy? Oh, I don't know, Tony. Unbelievable. I loved it so much. They're my, they're my winners. He's like, I don't know, Tony. You know, this is, he made a mistake. He made a mistake. It doesn't define his career. I'm like, this is great. I'm in an alternate universe with PTI and Rock and Apollo Creed. Anyway, that's my choice. I don't know if anyone else could have won. I have, oh. I have one another suggestion. Yeah. I think Richie Coster is uh, Leo's dad. Yeah. You know, Leo's dad was oh, good. Yeah. super good. And like, yeah. he was really good in, um, 
the ill-fated True Detective season two as like the corrupt mayor of oh, that's that right. town. Um, yeah. but he looked a like real, he was related to Leo. Too. He did. Yeah. He it did. really looked like that and, was and his Leo dad. is like a, he's a real fighter, right? That's yeah. like Gabriel Rosado. But yeah. he he's just a great like you just can't trust that guy kind of yeah. guy. Yeah. Good. Um, that'd be my vote. That'd be my vote. Wesley, Felicia Rashad, and I'll okay. tell you, and I'll tell you, I'll All tell right. you, I'll tell you why. Because during that fight, I don't like in sports movies when when somebody's not at the sporting yeah, event. Never you have to cut away to wherever they are, yeah. and that actor is sitting by herself, do or like you know, or some family is like watching this thing it's happen a flaw on TV. Rocky too. It's it's a flaw in every single sports movie except for Sea Biscuit. That's the only movie, not Seabiscuit. What's the one with um? What's the Diane Lane one where she's the Secretariat. owner? Secretariat. Secretariat. Oh, right. wow. Secretariat has the best um, race. Everybody's in a different place montages during the event itself. They're so perfectly edited and totally exciting. That's the best example that I can. You know think I of. like Secretariat. Why? Because Diane Lane's in it, and I ride with Diane Lane. Ding, you know ding, that about ding, me, right, ding, Cam? Ding. <sighs> yeah, I became a Diane Lane. I have Diane Lane, Lane season well. tickets. It's like, oh, <laughs> she's <laughs> in a movie. Tickets. Great, I got I'm that. In. I got Win. a lifetime pass to Diane yeah. Lane. Love I'll Diane Lane. do anything. I was excited for my mom when Unfaithful came out. When we do the Unfaithful <laughs> rewatchables. <laughs> That's Wesley gonna is going to be out of his mind. We might have to like hose him down three different times. There's a lot going on in that movie, Wesley. There's a lot, There's a lot going on. <laughs> there sure is. Anyway, yeah. Felicia Rashad. So during Good during choice. these needless yeah. cutaways, you know, she's like, "Oh baby, oh no, oh." But then when she hits, when she hits, what does when 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 Apollo hits, what's his face? She's like. She's got a little, she's got, she's turned into Olivia Pope with that glass of red wine. She's like, that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) I'm like, where'd this lady come from? She, she got drunk and got real black. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was worth it for that. Ryan Coogler, shouts to you, man. Shouts to you. I didn't vote for her because I didn't like that they dissed the lady who originally played Creed's wife, who had some pivotal scenes in Rocky IV. You mean like killing her? No, well, she, I mean, I looked it up. She's still alive. No, she no, no. Talia Shire is still alive. Yes. No, I'm saying Apollo Creed's wife. Oh. oh. The cutaways. Very attractive black lady with the short hair and the, right. the short, high 80s haircut. Oh, man. And uh, and Apollo gives her the look between round one and round two, and she gives him the nod, no, and then he goes back. I hope they at least auditioned her. Maybe she wasn't good enough. You know? Oh, that's interesting. Well, I, I hope she auditioned. But if you've got Felicia Rashad, though. Eh, I just, eh. uh, What's age the best? You could come up with 30 things here or zero because the movie only came out two and a half years ago. But I, just a couple. I love the music. Yeah, I love the music. Not just uh, the stuff we talked about, but the... Mm-hmm. Yes. No, the scoring is great. Just really good. It's really good score. Uh, I love the scene when he meet, when he goes to see Rocky and he brings up the third fight with Apollo. That is such like yeah. a hardcore, you had to have really loved the Rocky series thing to throw in there. And for him to ask who won and then Rocky says he won. But I don't know if I believe Rocky. I think he was trying to make him feel good. And that's kind of a thing yeah. that we low key would debated for years, you know. Like we yeah. kind of indicated it in a previous movie, but like never actually answered the question who, of won, who won the who secret won the fight. You know, fight. that was yeah. just a cool. It was like a Marvel universe Easter egg, but for the Rocky universe, like, really it was smart. A good version of that. Smart to bring that up. I love uh, 
the the twenty four seven with Pretty Ricky that they shoot for HBO. Is oh, just, yeah, you know, yeah. It's like a 24-7. Yeah. It's just good. Enjoy it. I also love that love he's it. like, isn't he watching it on his phone in yeah. bed? And then mm-hmm. they cut to him and he's like imagining a world where he's something like that. It's right. just really, really smart. It hasn't uh, aged at all. Philliness of this movie is good. Yeah. So they, they, they do a nice job. Just they did feeling, not, they didn't Philly-ish. do a lot of cheating. No. I mean, not enough accents to... To up, but they also were smart, so you don't really know what a Philadelphia accent is. Because I never knew about only the Tessa AT- Thompson has one. I never knew about the ATV scene in Philly. Who knew? Uh, that's a weird neighborhood, by the yeah. way, for that because black people don't really live in the Ken- nah, that's in right. the Ken- <laughs> They do, but not not like that. Um, Tupac's Hail Mary. Yeah, it's as the movie. entrance music. Yeah, yeah, I just really enjoyed it. Well, and the other guy's entrance music is also striking. That that British hip hop duo that I'm not. I, uh, I'll never remember what they're My called. wife said that sounds song. like the music my son song. listens to. The Ricky Collins song. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I like the ending with the steps. Really smart. I do too. Probably shouldn't have worked. Probably one of those things you read in the script and go, oh, this might be bad. And it's not. It's good and it works and Slack can barely make it up the steps and they turn around the whole city. It fucking works. Everything that you think on the page would be saccharine in yes. this movie isn't. And that's like an amazing achievement. I don't, I'm I don't know how to he figure did it. out how that happened as consistently as it has in this movie because I just every time I watch this movie, and it's been a number of times now because it's just a movie that I I just return to because it's so pleasurable. I'm just I'm taken with how taken I am with the movie that I am so engrossed in all all the training montages things where like in any other movie I'm just sort of rolling my eyes. You can kind of like skip sort of, when you're rewatching. Yeah, them. yeah. It's like I don't need I don't need a montage. And this movie has multiple, and I'm just I I just want to stand up out of my seat and just cheer this movie on the entire time. He's and Coogler on. He's just got the goods. He just got some people just got it. Yeah. I just want to give one more shout out to Chris Ryan because he's like driving somewhere right now and he's so bitter. He's not <laughs> uh, so maybe we'll just patch him in at the end. Uh, uh, what's age the worst? It's like 12 to 13 minutes too long. It's too long. It's too long. It's too long. I don't, but the thing is, I don't really have a suggestion for what. I, I don't think cut. we need to go to Ireland that many times. Eh, I don't know if the cancer huh. death battle needs to go as. It, is, ambi- it, it is. There's a kind of ambition mm. in its length. I just don't know that it. I think it actually could have been two movies. Huh. Because yeah. I think it could have been two okay. 90 minute movies. And the first movie ends with two round knockout. And the second movie is the build up to Conlon. Because mm. it actually feels mm. weirdly a little. It's like too compressed right in the second act there where like Conlon's guy comes over to America and they negotiate in this empty, in the empty he's, restaurant. He's fought once. Right. Yeah. And it's like, what right. the hell? How did we get here? And like yeah, Conlon's sure. story is weird because he's about to go to prison and this is his payday last fight and we don't get enough about him. I, it, it is too long, but it is also too short to me. Okay. Mm. Interesting. That's a, that's a, um, everything else. It's too early to say the, uh, Mark Ruffalo. They do. <laughs> Overacting award. They knew we cut those guys loose. <laughs> uh, this just never gets old. It, it never really gets never old. gets old. It never gets old. <laughs> I don't know. I, I didn't really feel a lot of overacting in this movie. No, it's one no. of the. I, I don't of think it. somehow we escaped this How one. Maybe guys- maybe Jim Lampley. No, Lampley crushed it. Okay, he so make sure. What do you guys think about the scene where um? MBJ kind of has the showdown before Bianca's concert and the guy who is like, let me get a shot with you for the gram. Baby Creed. Yeah. And he calls him Baby Creed. That's the one scene where I was like, 
mm, this feels fake. Like this well, doesn't it, feel you, like they, mm. there needed to be some. They needed there are two fights that the two of them have that don't need to happen. Except that's what these movies do. I was just gonna say that. I mean, I wrote, I I typed this out, but I the thing that I love about this movie is that none of it needed to or had to happen. Right, right. none of it. But and we haven't really talked about this, but you know, there's a whole history of the boxing movie. This movie is 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 really reckoning with in that you don't get boxing movies with a bat with a black protagonist right. who's also the boxer, and there just there just aren't that many. You can do it on pretty much maybe you won't get past two hands. Uh, Bill, is that true? It's the hurricane, Digstown too, right? Digstown, but that that's like white black. There, right. th- where where um, there is no white boxer, there are no the white boxers in this. Ving right. Ving right. Rames in jail. What was that called? Undisputed. Undisputed. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Ving oh, Rames and Snipes. Yeah. First of all, Cam, don't forget about that. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> really not a bad one thirty in the morning movie. Undisputed is pretty would, good. What's the I Sam would, Jackson movie that I'm not remembering the name of? That is the Great White the Great Hype. Hype. Yeah. Yeah. That, oh, but that's right. this way, there's no movie of just. That's not the one I'm thinking of though. There's no movie of a young poor black kid who just rises out of nothing and becomes the right. lightweight right. champ or right. light heavyweight right. champ. That, right. Unless he went to jail or did something terrible and had to, there's no way they're making that. But it's not Maybe just- Maybe they will the, now. It's not just the boxing history though. It's the Rocky box, That's boxing what I mean. history. Yeah. That he, but they don't make that. They're not making that. Maybe right. they will. Maybe Creed made almost $200 million. Maybe it's time to- uh, I mean, I don't maybe. Know. My question is, how do these boxing movies keep getting made where it's like, you know, shout out to Jill and all, but how does Southpaw get made? Why was that a movie? Why did that come out? Who was who the audience for that? Honestly, Why were people like, I want another boxing movie? A lot of people like this movie, but I feel very similarly about The Fighter. I was like, I, that's just, another I one. just don't need this. Like I have seen this oh, a million so times. Oh, that's so interesting because I Cinderella actually, Man is another one. Why? why? Cinderella Man is why? what I was thinking of. Cinderella. Why? That why Cinderella Man is an out? insult to me. The the the. I mean, no, well, it's not because it's historical, but it's like okay, you've got a whole history of boxing movie stories to choose from. You're gonna choose that one. And how has Joe Lewis not been in a movie? Right. Well, yeah. and how has there not been a good Jack Johnson movie? Yeah. Like but if yeah, you're gonna go backwards. Those guys are much better. Okay, we're two. When we're Jack like, Johnson not, would be I'm, another and, Netflix series, by the way. Oh, really? No, yeah. I'm saying would it be one that, or should be no, one? No, I should it's like, be why one. Is there should not, be one. There's, there are a lot of Muhammad Ali movies. There are a lot of like visions of that. There's there are no, so many black boxers. But, you can but, but, do stories you can tell. Like, why yeah. is there not a Joe Frazier movie? That's so crazy. Joe or just Frazier, make up a boxer. They have the book, Ghost right. of Manila. <laughs> it's there. Like yeah. the Joe Frazier biopic, I think is more interesting than the Muhammad Ali biopic. Yeah, of Absolutely. course. And they never made it. Absolutely. Yeah. Also, the Muhammad Ali movie, it, it doesn't really... It's not the 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 thing about when black people get turned into into movie figures, real black people, is that you never take like you never take the most interesting parts of that person's life. You only take the one that makes white people most comfortable, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So you can't really tell the Cassius Clay story. We should you stop talking t- about this because I came up with like six ideas for sports movies that I want to make. Let's take a quick break. The all-new BMW X3 wasn't built for everyone. It was engineered for those who share the desire of more, more passion, more ambition, more making every second count. It is capable of doing more, much like my all-favorite basketball, my all-time favorite basketball team, the 1986 Boston Celtics, 67 and 15, 50 and one at home that year, including the playoffs. 
They had the pieces. They had the Hall of Famers, Bird, Parrish, McHale in their primes. They even had an aging but still very effective Bill Walton coming off the bench. And they demolished the Lakers, the Sixers, and everybody else. I think they were 18-1 and one that year against teams that won at least 50 games, a level of performance we have not seen before or since. The BMW X3 capable of more with the level of performance you expect from a BMW. I expect. I, dri- I drive 6.0 with an intuitive touchscreen. Available safety features like active blind spot detection, next generation X-Drive, intelligent, all-wheel drive, the all-new BMW X3 built to handle whatever road, terrain, or adventures ahead, no matter what. Test drive the all-new BMW X3 at your local BMW center today. BMW only makes one thing, the ultimate driving machine. And if you're listening to this because you love sports, don't forget to check out the Ringer Podcast Network. The Ringer NFL Show is with you right now during a crazy free agency week. One Shining Podcast has college basketball. We have the Ringer MLB Show. Might have a couple of those coming up. And then, of course, uh, Ringer NBA, which is just a fantastic feed. New shows every day, and we're really heating up as we head toward the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, and I forgot about the Mass Man Show for WWE, especially with WrestleMania coming up. That is all on the Ringer Podcast Network. Speaking of the Ringer Podcast Network, we're back. The Rewatchables right now. Half-Ass Internet Research Corner. Sly was the one who requested that MBJ wear the flag trunks from 1, 3, and 4. Yeah. Hmm. It was good to see those again. Uh MBJ really got clocked in this movie in the 11th round. And he tells the story on my podcast in 2015. At the end of this podcast, I'm going to run that entire excerpt Mm. because it's really interesting because Sly basically challenges his manhood and was like, you got to take one. That's what you do. So and, is that the one where he, that beautiful sequence yeah. where like he, he gets, gets hit and he, he gets punched in the fucking face in that, that scene. That is, oh, nice. Oh, can I just pause for one second and yeah. just say really quickly that like that sequence and the, the heart shaped herb. And the montage. Uh, you haven't seen Black Panther yet, but Black no. Panther, oh. <laughs> Black Panther. Um, but there's a, I'm not going to ruin it for you. I'm not, this wouldn't ruin it for, at all for you. But the, the, when he goes down, when Michael B. Jordan takes that beautiful balletic fall to the mat um, and, and ha- there's a montage that he, he has this fantasy montage that brings him back to life. That is basically the heart-shaped herb yep. sequence yeah. from yeah. Black Panther. Mm. I'm just throwing it's that great out. Great that for me. I'm going to yeah, fight you. Um, Adrian's restaurant scenes were filmed at the Victor Cafe in Philadelphia. I don't, go to, the, I don't go to that neighborhood. Uh, they don't want me there. I don't MBJ, know how they let Coogler stay. MBJ gained 24 pounds of muscle for this movie. Worked out two to three times a day, six days a week. You know what's crazy about this? Wow. I was, when I was watching the movie again, I was like, I think he might have gained 44 pounds of muscle for Black <laughs> Panther. He's freaking... He's, he's so he's much bigger in this movie. Diesel Creed, but he's yeah. huge in Black Panther. Yeah. Right. But he hasn't so. like gotten bigger sweaters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like clothes haven't gotten they bigger. All, they're all still a little tight. Uh, the other ones <laughs> I've mentioned, except for Pauly Panino, it said he died in 2012. It was one of my favorite trivia questions. What was Adrian's maiden name? Was a great one to, to tell who really knew the Rockies. Because they say it in... Uh, the priest says it in Rocky too when they're getting married. Do you, Adrian Panino? Mm. And uh, mm. so Adrian Panino and, and Polly Panino. Polly, terrible brother, by the way. Really, some <laughs> reprehensible behavior in Rocky One. Yeah. Rocky yeah. One has some yeah. reprehensible behavior. There's some. I mean, there's an uncomfortable 
The first sex encounter with Adrian and Rocky, I have some questions. Little Rocky. A lot of hair in Little Rocky. Uh, Apex Mountain. Oh. Too tough to say for Coogler MBJ. Uh, Can I say something crazy? Well, this might be the time to have your MBJ conversation. That's what I'm. That's what I'm. Because there, it is Paul, his performance in Black Panther, which I still have not seen, uh, but I will have seen it by the time people hear this podcast, has been polarizing. Yeah. And there's a chance this creed could be Apex Mount for him. Who knows? I don't know what to think. For Coogler or for Jordan? For Jordan. So most people, I think, first saw him as Wallace on The Wire. Yeah. Right. Which is a very tragic and important character, basically in TV history. I mean, he... His murder in that show, and I'm sorry to spoil it for anybody, is the most powerful inciting incident in the first season of The Wire and kind of explains how everything starts to come apart for the the Barksdale empire. And his his role in that is just really, really important. And he becomes this like vision of lost innocence. And for that to be his core thing. And then he eventually goes on to Friday Night Lights as Vince Howard in right. a, more, a role that I think is a little bit closer to the Creed Black Panther vision of sort of like defiance, strength, trying to figure out who you are as a man. He's on Parenthood, which our friend Juliet Lipman would like us to point out. He had a weird little stretch right after he played Vince on on FNL. Yeah, well, when he made the Parenthood cameo, and it was like, oh, is it going to happen for this guy? He's Red Tails. He's the third guy in Chronicle. And then, for and by the way, happens. it's not like it's not like we were overflowing with young black actors. No, during right this, during this area. No, but I do think on Friday Night Lights, when people remember that he was Wallace, I, I at least was like, "This guy's really good." They, he was they great on Friday Night. Lights. He was amazing yeah. on Friday Night. Lights. Yeah, he was uh, really I saw good. FNL before I saw The Wire. Like actually. Smash Williams was probably not very good in Friday Night Lights. He was okay. He's fine. He's but, yeah. He by the way is the Mark Ruffalo uh, a winner for Friday Night Lights season one. <laughs> He's a lot of they new moments, but uh, MBJ you could. Kind of tell he was something, but a year later he connects with Kugler for Fruitvale, and then and he's a star in that movie, and you know, yes, yeah. And then what happens? Uh, he makes a Fantastic Four movie. Mm-hmm. He plays Johnny. He plays. He takes Chris Evans's That's leftovers. Right. And well, he's only Johnny about Storm. that terrible, terrible, that awkward moment role that he. Well, does. that's after. I don't no, mind right the before. movie. Right before Fantastic Four, he goes that, awkward, that awkward moment, moment and Fantastic Four, and everybody's like, "Oh but, my God, uh, is it over for him?" But plays like a Jesus. like a loser character who's yeah. not, yeah. not kind of that movie's about Miles getting Teller getting cheated on, basically. Yeah. Do you guys like him in Chronicle? He's I don't good. remember him. It's in kind Chronicle. of a nothing part. I don't it remember. Is, right. Yeah. Dane DeHaan is the person you remember from that movie. Yeah, yeah he because he's is. really interesting. Like Michael B. Jordan has nothing to do. I feel that way about a few of these this era for him. Well, that's the era, though, yeah, right? I mean, that's it. But how much do we blame this for? It, it's not like there's a ton of great roles for it's black actors under 35. Yeah. Yeah. He took a role in a Fantastic Four movie. Right. What'd you expect? Right, right. I mean, yeah. I'm not. I'm like, not. Well, Denzel's first 10 years, there's some shaky ones in there, right? Before he became mm-hmm. Denzel, he was in Carbon Copy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's true. Okay, if you watch he that, was movie, in that, that movie, it's crazy. He was in Virtuosity. He he's was also in that great, John Lithgow Virtuosity. Movie. He's also in, in Glory yeah. and Cry yeah. Freedom in his first 10 years, right. too. Like, I mean, he's, he's sure. got, yeah. he got but an Oscar MBJ nomination really Creed quick. in Black Panther. Like, right. he's had some, too. But, yes. but the problem with that comparison, though, Bill, is they don't even I'm make— I'm not comparing them. I'm right. saying— well, first 10 years, people make mistakes. Right. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that like Denzel's first 10 years, the mistakes were really interesting. 
Michael B. Jordan's quote mistakes unquote are conventional and the only options they're they're the only options now for almost any actor. Right. Yeah. Right. And so like he'll never get to do a carbon copy. He'll never get to do virtuosity. He'll never, and he'll well virtuosity <laughs> is later when Denzel is pretty is is almost was, on its way to Denzel. That virtuosity yeah. is like 90 it's like it mid 90s. It's after though. Mike it's after Philadelphia and it's after it's Malcolm after X. Philadelphia. No. Oh yeah, virtuosity is ninety five. Yeah. Wow. He has an Oscar. He did Malcolm X. Oh no, and he's wow, like he's a movie star. <laughs> oh. Virtuosity is Mitch Russell Crowe. That's the person that you've never seen before at that point. Um, but virtuosity, he's a star at that point. Um, and I'm it's a throwaway summer movie that makes more money than you think it did. So what do you think of Jordan? Oh, I'm thinking of Ricochet, the, the Adonis Creed, Black Panther, Michael Jordan. I find this guy really interesting. I but here's what I'll say. He when you when you see him with Chadwick Boseman in in Black Panther, you when he's with another actor who is more seasoned than he is, uh-oh. You can see that that there's um there's some layers that aren't there, right? Like watching him with Stallone, like Jordan is so hungry and so eager and like even his tenderness has an intensity to it. And Stallone is just Stallone. There's nothing intense about Stallone in this movie, but there's mm. so much gravitas and Felicia Rashad. Same thing mm-hmm. there. Michael B. Jordan is so there. He's hungry and he wants, I don't want to say that he wants to win a scene because he's protected. He's working with Coogler, um, but he understands these characters or he's attracted to characters and Fruitvale station is the same thing. Like he is, he's like Angela Bassett to me, like somebody who is just at 10 all the time. I think it sounds what you're trying to say is that he needs to play a detective who is recovering from his dead wife (laughs) and is trying to get his shit back and then got cut in a war that he didn't want, but he's going to finish it. Like, it sounds like that's what he needs. Like, ma- like man on fire? What are you describing? No, just, I don't no, want him to do, do a man on fire. He's, no. a, he's a detective in Chicago, and and he picked up the wrong suitcase. Just sounds like you need him to shoot people and have I, some fun for no, a movie. no, no, no. I, I don't want to. I don't want to need anything. I think I actually like him in Black Panther. I think I, I think his read on that character is is an intense read. That character is so complex. Like the the thing that that movie is asking any actor who plays that Eric Killmonger to do is 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 reject a very I mean we've like we've all we, we, as a culture we are only scratching the surface of how fucking politically black this movie is and the choices that sh- the like I would say radical choices this movie is making in terms of the black identity it is it is advocating it is going for the Sydney Poitier position which to me is wildly radical it does not go with what Michael B. Jordan is meant to represent mm. and, the, and Michael B. Jordan's mm. read on that part as an actor is to play it with maximum intensity he's not he we we understand the cliche that this character is this is a guy who is almost literally from the like boys in the hood north and what happens? What right. happens to like to boys in the hood north uh, in the American sort of military industrial complex? This guy is what happens, right. and that's the thing that he's playing. Now, whether you think he's good playing that or not, 
it's just so different from everybody else in the movie who, and we, this conversation has come up in the times that we've been talking about this sort of thing with black actors and casting, but everybody else in that movie in Black Panther just about is a, is, I don't know what Michael B. Jordan's background is as an actor from a training standpoint, but everybody else in that movie just about is, is a classically trained, they went to Yale, Winston Duke, and M- M- Baca, um, that's not his. Yeah, M- Baca, yeah, Yale trained actor. Everybody in that movie is a classically trained actor. And Michael B. Jordan, I don't know what his training. Well, we is, know he was a child he, actor, but he's playing. Right. But what he brings to this movie is so specific. This guy sounds like he comes from somewhere, and he's he's bringing a backstory as an actor, and he's bringing he's playing this character's backstory and. I, I don't know. I, I What I would like to see is him go away, work with some other directors, and then come back to Coogler. I don't think – I think they should keep working together because that's exciting to me. me but I would like to see what a great director who isn't Ryan Coogler can make him do and then steal all that shit and go back to Coogler. I've seen something – That was quite a monologue. There, Sorry. There's been a <laughs> lot good. of – this is Scorsese De Niro territory now between these two guys that they should continue to explore the depths of what they are. And also in the same way that Kugler is applying, you know, the, his own personal experiences and create about his relationship to his parents, absentee father, the death of his mother, all these big themes. There's only one character in black Panther that is from California. And that's where Ryan Kugler's from. Yeah. And that character, and it almost, you can make an interpretation that there's, Something about which which political choices Ryan Coogler is making, how he sees the world and the way that he draws that character. Like that's a huge responsibility for Michael B. Jordan right. to be the avatar for those choices. I think it fucked him up a little bit too after he finished the movie. Like he got really into this part. And I think it's a dark If you have to act it and you're a you're mm-hmm. a black actor acting that part, it's a dark place to it's a dark thing to occupy it's the most he serious really mo- talked about it but i think he's i think he's had issues with it it's the most serious most real thing you'll ever see in a in a marvel movie to your point about him being the avatar of ryan coogler's ideas i think also what i like about ryan coogler is that when i listen to interviews with him like people complain about michael b jordan's lack of refinement in a movie like black panther when he's surrounded by all these classically trained actors but what i like listening to ryan coogler is I don't want to call it a lack of refinement, but he he communicates in interviews differently than highly, highly media trained people of similar talent. And that's interesting to me. He's he's interesting to me as a figure in that way. Coogler? As our producer, Zach Mack, would say, he is so bay. He sounds like he is from the Bay. And, 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 I, and I love that. And I love, and I think that's some of what I sense also in Michael B. in Michael's performances is just this this kind of outsider approach to these things that I think is exciting. I get why people think it's not, you know, it's not Shakespearean or whatever, but I, I think he's oh, exciting. Fuck those people. <laughs> I don't know. Like, come on, man. Like the there's Scor- more than one way to do Shakespeare, dude. Come on. The Scorsese De Niro thing is not fair to Michael B. Jordan. Well, just as an archetype though. I mean, no, no, I know, but, yeah, but I think that's getting thrown around a lot and, you know, De Niro might have been the best actor of the last 35 years other than Daniel Day-Lewis or 40 years, whatever. And well, I think he, Michael B. Jordan's a really good actor, but De Niro's well, was you know, he that, a Hall that, of Famer. That actor, because Scorsese and Paul Schrader and whomever else were putting him in a position to have the opportunity to become that actor. Yeah. 
I mean, well, he was, I he was accomplished. I'm Godfather not saying he wasn't accomplished. proves his chops at that point. No, no doubt. Right? But if you don't get Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, you don't maybe, and New York, New York, and any number of other things, you just, you may not think of him in the same way. You just, though, Taxi Driver, like, just changed movie acting. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's in part, a, a big part of that is the point of view of the filmmakers. And that, that's a power that a filmmaker can it, it, it imbue in, an, in a performer. And yet, what was my favorite De Niro performance, Wesley? Is it Cape Fear? No, Midnight Run. Oh, Midnight Run! Of course, yeah. Oh, Sorry. sure. That's fair, though. That's good. But he's so good in that he's movie. He's so good in that movie. Um, Sean's looking sad at me. It's fine. <laughs> I love Midnight Run. It's like, that's a ludicrous opinion. But I, 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 like that it's his I favorite, said it's yeah. my favorite De Niro performance. <laughs> right. I just love De Niro in that he movie. He said it's his favorite. He didn't say it was his best. I didn't best. say it was his best. Well, they're synonymous. No, it's not, not synonymous. <laughs> okay. Not synonymous at all. Okay. Uh, pick a nits quickly. We're skipping over the unintentional comedy word because I didn't really see anything other than the we talked about the scene where uh Baby Creed. That's borderline unintentional it's comedy, okay. but not totally there. I it would have been funnier if the rapper was played by DJ Khaled, then it would have been unintentional <laughs> comedy. Um, That's a totally hilarious. different Philadelphia, yeah, by the way. <laughs> Pick a nits. Um Apollo's old trainer, Duke. He was the only guy there in Rocky Four. I don't know why they couldn't have brought him back for a cameo. Mm. He's still mm. alive, I checked. Rocky's lymphoma battle. Cheap. Eh, cheap, cheap. Kind of ran through it a little bit fast. Qu- quick recovery. Quick? Yeah. Oh, yeah. sure. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a tough one, right? That's yeah. months and months on end. I don't know if you're flying to, to Europe and being the trainer in a fight like a few weeks later. It's part of the reason why I was like, yeah. this should kind of be two movies. Yeah. Okay. Like, that's a big arc. I think that's fair. Creed's uh, Creed's closed left eye in the in the 12th round. <laughs> It's lower than the right eye. It's a re- I mean, this is like, I'm really picking nits now, but it's just too low. It's like they, the makeup designer messed it up. Uh, my big nitpick, though, pretty Ricky Conlon is just not in shape. But mm. he's a real boxer, though, right? He's not that, that in matters. shape. Get in but, fucking shape, but see, Ricky Conlon. This is the, I, Get his fucking gut. Here's what, pull his trunks up <laughs> over his belly button. Here's what I would say to that. He's barely in shape. Here's what I would say he's to that. He's the light heavyweight champion of the world. What he's if, unbeatable. What if Michael Jordan's just in too good? What if, no. he's, what if he's... Ricky Conlon should have skipped some slices. In fairness, <laughs> Creed, Creed is in better shape visually than, than Andre Ward in the movie. And Andre, we know Andre, you, who Andre you, Ward is. Listen, I am yeah. not just picking nits right now. I'm... You go look at Ricky Conlon. That dude has not seen a sit-up in like five years. <laughs> that guy, that fighter, was held the WBC lightweight title. Until he started eating. During the movie. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I mean, I just feel like I just feel like Michael B. Jordan is is throwing off what an actual boxer's body looks like. But don't actors always do that in boxing? That's how like, that's how we're supposed to know no they're supposed like, to be good. Like Dylan Hall and South right. Posh, just, yes. Uh, yes. Abs don't make a great boxer. Best quote, I would say... Want to prove I'm not a mistake or whatever. That that part's just great. I don't know if I'm you guys have another that. favorite quote. It's a really good one. Would this movie have been better with Danny Trejo? I mean, <laughs> I don't. This is also my favorite category because every movie is better with Danny Trejo. But this one, a lot of ways to go here. How is he not in the Danny? corner? Just put him, corner. Just put him yeah, in the corner. Sure, sure. He's the cut man. Sure, yeah, sure. He's a cut man. Could have been the... Um, could have been in the beginning scene in the uh, juvenile detention center. Could have been the security guard. Maybe he's Leo's dad. Could have been Leo's dad. That's what I was thinking. That <laughs> was like a big that. home run swing. I like yeah. that. Um, no disrespect to Richie Coster, the god. Danny Trail could have eyeballed him okay. a few times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, there's a variety. And a boxing movie without Danny Trejo almost feels like we did something Could wrong. Could we have recast Rocky as Trejo? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> mm. uh, probably unanswerable questions. I only had one. You know I'm a lunatic. Trying to figure out the timeline of Apollo fathering Adonis. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so he he fights. Michael B. Jordan was born in 87. So let's start there. That was 18 months after Apollo died. He fights Drago, comeback fight. He's training for like those two months. That's summer 85. Those are great training months. Oh. So he probably would have had to have the illegitimate child right around there during the training. Nine months pass. Does he go to Russia though? No, Sly Stallone goes to Russia. Oh, wait, oh, wait, wait, wait. To avenge. Right, right. He's dead at right. that point. I forgot. I'm saying he fight he fights Drago in Vegas. Right, right, right. It was supposed to be an exhibition, Wesley. I I I totally forgot about Throw the, the damn towel. <laughs> uh so Creed in this movie, because it came out 2015, he has to be at least 29 years old because we know Apollo died in 1985 in the summer. So he can't be younger than 29. My question for you is, that seems late. Because usually a boxer who makes it that late is usually somebody who came out of jail. That, That seems late is not a question. How long is yeah. he doing the like the stuff in Mexico? Like, how long is he? I don't know. It seems like he went side. to college. He had some weird accounting job. Yeah, and then just gets into boxing at age twenty eight. This is like more than a nitpick. I think we know. I mean, they said that he had fifteen fights in Mexico, right? Okay. Yeah, so we, fifteen. We know that he's been fighting for at least a few years. I mean, there's no way he's fighting every month doing that. So he's been okay. at it for a little while. All right. I'm just listen. I'm not protesting. I just want Coogler to know if he's listening. Because I know he tried to, he was like, no crazy person will try to figure out the timeline here. That's why you know I try to figure it out. Do we know that it's supposed to be happening in 2015? Oh, good question. Did they say huh. that? The good music, question. the music, I mean, the music yeah, will sure, tell you sure, everything sure. you need to know. We Music's had, we had Meek Mill in 2012. They could have come, you're saying go back like four Just years. Go back four years. He's 24. It's not the Meek Mill part, it's the music she makes. Oh, her music's true. the giveaway. Mm. That bad FKA right, so twenty nine. I was about to say, oh, like, yeah. very FKA. Yeah. That, that is actually one thing that is not aging well. Yeah, is her Bianca's artistry. I right. would say. Right. I mean, they tried to make her not the conventional girlfriend by giving her a hearing aid in a music career, but she really was. But the then conventional she girlfriend. she can cook up a dinner too. I have not seen food look like this in this house. Ever. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. You know, usually everything I have is sauce or something on it. He's kind of what? Oh, oh, Bianca. It's nobody's cooked in this house for so long. <laughs> so nice. This is really, nobody's cooked a meal like this in so long, Bianca. Thank we, you so much. <laughs> I forgot to mention one scene that I really liked when... When they do the thing where uh, Adonis is really pissed off and he's in jail and Sly goes to see him. He's like, fuck off, old man. The way Sly plays it, where he kind of slow plays it, and he's, he's like, okay. That's like, but it's really good. It's good acting. He's really good at this scene. He's Sly's really good, good, in good in this movie. movie. Yeah. He's so really good. good. Which leads us to who won this movie. One of the tougher ones we've had. I'll go first. 
Okay. You know why I can't say Slash Stallone wins this movie? Because he didn't. Because Slash Stallone won a Golden Globe and uh, gave a effed up speech. Yeah. I didn't think think that's why he didn't win the Oscar, honestly. I think stupid stuff like that matters to enough people. He might have lost that Oscar by two votes. Who did he lose it to again? Two black votes. (laughs) (laughs) The only only two he could have gotten. Thanks, Academy. Uh, Kugler should have been the first person he thanked. Yeah, I mean, first off, I, I wanted to thank Ryan very weird. It was yeah, very weird. weird. It was very weird. I yeah. didn't like that either. But I love Slice Alone, so I've looked past it and I pretend it doesn't it's, happen. It's a blip, but it's not in. It's a pretty big blip. Yeah, it's not. He seemed apologetic. So who? who so you think Kugler won or Michael B? I think Kugler. I'm going with Kugler. Kugler. I think yeah. I think this was impossible to make this movie great, and he did. It could have gone wrong in about a hundred different ways. And I think with Black Panther just out, this as the movie that gets him that nod, it's it's yeah. I think he I think he does. Sean, Sylvester Stallone lost the Oscar to Mark Rylance for Bridge of Spies. Oh god! I mean that's like a fuck you. uh, I don't think that's going to age that well. As much as I like Mark Rylance, and if Chris Ryan were here, he would be like, "You have to respect Mark Rylance." Um, I don't. Who doesn't respect Mark Rylance? Another reason I'm glad Chris Ryan isn't here, other than the little (laughs) smirk on his face. He also triumphed over. They knew! Oh, no. Mark Ruffalo yeah, was yeah. nominated for oh, the Best man. Supporting Actor. Um, That's right. That was a mistake. It, it has to, has to, has to be Ryan Coogler. I mean, yeah. I don't, I'm not sure that, I don't, I don't think Black Panther happens in this way. Right. If, if, if he doesn't have success with this movie. Not just that he made also, a great film, but he made a great film that people wanted to see and loved. You know what's interesting to me, though? I watch a movie like Creed and I see a guy who, I think it's just going to make some really interesting movies. I think Black Panther, I don't think Black Panther, I think politically and thematically, Black Panther is is going to be of a piece with the other things. And I'm already like seeing Creed and seeing Black Panther. There's a lot of, you know, he's he's interested in, in, in paternity and masculinity. The combination of those two things matter to him. I mean, Fruitvale was about a young father who yeah. basically lost his life, right? Um, I think these, I, I think there'll be themes that will unite these movies, but I think this guy is going to go off and in, into so many interesting directions. And I, I, it also, I'm going to cry if like just formulating this thought, but like with it, like it used to be that I would say if somebody would give him a chance, mm-hmm. but we're, we're somehow magically in a time where Ryan Coogler doesn't need somebody to like give him a chance in the way that I would have had to say it five years ago, four years ago. Um, he no. might, he might beg to differ about that, but I don't feel industry wise that that's the that case. was an adorable speech. I agree with you hundred percent. And at the same time, I do worry that Netflix is going to be like, I love Creed. I love black mm. Panther. Hey, Ryan Coogler, here's 330 million <laughs> developed stuff. Yeah. Make some things. And just give him crazy amounts of money to, but you know, you know the good do, news, uh, do uh, remove his incentive to be great. Basically, the that, good, that's my fear. The good news about Black Panther probably making like two billion dollars though is maybe that will change. Maybe he won't be. Maybe he won't need to take Netflix's three hundred thirty million dollars. I, I mean, I'm telling you, this guy is going to make some really interesting old school like moral dramas. Yeah. This guy is going to make some really good social comedies. 
I mean, he might make another Black Panther movie, but I think that Black Panther doesn't need Ryan Coogler. Do you know what I mean? In the way that he's, that, yeah, you know, this his, is the start. Yeah. He is his, he's my number one draft pick. The position he's in right now is a little bit of the crisis of the modern young director because the, the industry forces will try to compel him to make Black Panther 2 because Black Panther 2 is literally on track to be one of the five most successful movies ever made. That is, it in, hasn't even had a script yet. It, that's insane. And, and Marvel will want him to do it and Disney will want him to do it. And in many ways, the culture will want him to do it because they'll want more of this. But I completely agree with what Wesley said. And in him, you know, he has these compelling, powerful stories that are probably smaller and are probably less bound by the conventions of a cinematic universe, a Lexus tie in all of this kind of like corporate shit that surrounds big time movie making now. And I, I'd love to see him kind of ungirded from that. What if what if he said, I'm making Black Panther 2 and they're paying me a ridiculous amount of money and I'm going to use that money to once and for all create the great black movie production house and my mission over the next 25 years is to completely change the paradigm that we've seen. Well, he's already doing that though. But he's not doing it in like the Shonda Rhimes, I'm changing shit and I'm building a whole company. But I think he's able going. to not have to do that though because Shonda Rhimes is yeah. doing it. And because Ava DuVernay. I was going to say Ava DuVernay. I mean, yeah. I, feel like, I feel like he is safe to not have to be paradigmatically responsible. Do you know what I mean? I feel mm-hmm. like he, could, he is free. I don't think he should be responsible, but maybe I, the thing is that's in play. There's five different scenarios in play and they're all really cool. Yeah. yeah. Whatever, yes. whichever way it plays out is going to be. Awesome. I just don't think that it has to be as explicit as that, right? Like, I think, I mean, I definitely think that obviously you watch his work and you, you are, he, you, the last shot of that movie is basically, oh, wait, I won't ruin Black Panther for you. He's definitely committed and you can see it in his work. He's thinking about well, I asked the future. the question because Sean didn't want him to make Black Panther 2. It's not that I don't want him to make it. Frankly, I'm not in a position where I should be telling Ryan Coogler what to do. He should, I think you are. He's You're the editor-in-chief of The Ringer. Every choice he's made has, <laughs> been, has been the right one. And if, if you had asked me after Fruitvale, should he make Creed, I would have said no, and I would have been wrong. Yeah. So I don't think that my authority matters at all. But I do think that he is he is a product of and also in defiance of like where Hollywood is right now. And there's never been a black filmmaker who has had as much – cachet and power in his next choice as he does Mm. and that is it's just it's an amazing moment well let's think about really what this like what is extra amazing about this moment you what you said is 100 percent true but number two with a bullet is jordan peele and number three with not a whole bullet but like right behind him is barry jenkins yes that's And, and depending on wrinkle of time Ava, Ava DuVernay. Ava. Yeah. But Ava, I think it's just a different thing because yeah. she's <laughs> proven she's I mean, Ava is all about proving and barrier breaking. Yes. But I think also she's just it's just a different thing with her. I think of her as a much more sort of industrial minded person. And she's not yeah. she's not a her I don't know, her ascent is it's just a different thing. I, I mean, think part of it is she's made more movies and she's had yes. a little bit of a longer lifespan here. Yeah, yeah. sure. And, and where she is and where she started and versus where she wound, is has is winding up is pretty much Ryan Coogler's trajectory, right? right. I mean, right. it's it's not dissimilar from what from what he did. I just find her much she's much more established both in the industry and in um well in the industry and in the culture than 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 those other three people. We have to wrap this up, but 
I do think it's cool we're taping this mid-February, a little toward late February 2018, like a week before the Oscars. And last year, I remember we did a podcast where we were super worried about movies. Remember, there was this whole argument about is streaming ruining movies, all this stuff. Now it feels like we've hit a really exciting moment for just filmmakers, for the types of choices that are out there. I really like 2017. I didn't love all the movies, but I thought they were all interesting. Like I didn't like Shape of Water, but I'm glad it happened. Here's I have um, a theory about this. It's or, really I'll do, cool. I'll do it very quickly. Moonlight winning changed the trajectory of Hollywood in a million ways. And one of those ways, it's a little bit like LeBron coming to the NBA when we had a huge down moment and we didn't know who the next superstar was going to be. The NBA was kind of bad and weird for five years. It picked up a bad reputation. And then a movie comes along that captures imagination. It's not a massive hit, but it kind of shows a way forward. And putting Barry Jenkins in a huge spotlight, I think, has started to recontextualize what can happen. Now, obviously, it's a 100-year story of progress, but that movie's success. It's a success, 400-year story of progress. Yes. But, you know, I'm, go I'm talking about the film yes. industry. <laughs> I know, I know. Not the story of America. Um, but yes, and I think because of that now, it's it's amazing to be able to say, well, there's Ryan Coogler and there's Jordan Peele. And the Safdie brothers making 48 Hours with <laughs> Tiffany Haddish. Yes. Is she really not? Is she in the movie? No, Sean no, made no. this it was up. My I'm just no. passing it, it on. Like- um, can I just, but but Sean, I, I agree with you, but I'm also still depressed, as depressed now as I was last year too. Why? Because Why there's just a whole kind of movie that I know we all like that doesn't exist. And it like, I feel like it is in, they keep making them and people, and they don't do as well as people quote need them to do. But yeah. I feel like Roman J. Israel could have been made in 1989. Mm. I feel mm. like- um, Molly's Game could have been made in 1995, right? Yeah, that's absolutely. a movie that would have come out. That's a movie that came out every week, but won't because for X, Y, Z number of reasons. But I miss that kind of movie where there are like yeah. no stakes. There's nothing. There was nothing riding on Roman J. Israel. It was just free to well, like have the, his, I was watching the game with the, David Fincher's oh, wow. game. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Such a fucking weird movie, but that's like. They're not making that movie. They're not anymore. doing That's that. Right. Yeah, who's I, our like Sydney Lumet? Really? <laughs> they, I, the thing the is, Safety Brothers would tell you it's them. <laughs> no, As no. time goes on, the thing is, is that audiences don't have a relationship to movies like that. And so the reason that Molly's Game and Rome J Israel don't do that well at the box office is because they don't even know how to respond to them. Young people don't know what a movie in 1989 looked like, and so there's no there's no appetite for them. They've me- been meant to understand event movies. That is the culture of the last ten years. We're not in that moment. That's why Black Panther is such a hit because it threads the needle of everything. It has an amazing idea, an amazing cast. It is about something. It's also in a Marvel wrapper. That was the, the savviest choice of all time. Yeah, and, no, it's it's brilliant corporate wise. But I mean, from as a, as for movie culture, I really, I'm sad. I mean, I'm sad. I'm no, I'm no happier. I mean, I'm happy about from like movie to movie, but. I'm I'm kind of sad. It's, just, it's been too many superhero movies. You just got to shake that off. For me, no, just in general. Oh well, yeah. I don't. We know just got to get over the. Superhero. I think Black Panther really proves that you the can. Superhero movies. You can, were, yeah, that that was a good superhero movie that I haven't seen yet, but I trust everybody who's seen it. <laughs> but like Wonder Woman, people are like, "This is a really good movie." It's like none of these movies are good. There are no good. There was well done versions of shit superhero movies, but they all suck. They I think all, there's a lot of B none of them have and a B-minuses. soul. Right, I think they're yeah. not. Te- they're none of very few of them are terrible enough to warrant like 
warrant me as a critic saying they shouldn't make uh, them. They're all fine. But there's there should be I I don't this is not about superhero movies per se. It's about the lack of imagination that's gone out of the movies that's as a I'm result of the superhero movie. You're right. I'm yeah. not yeah, mad yeah, at the superhero movie. Like, Logan's good and and it was. You know what they said about I don't Logan though? I think it needed to happen. But didn't everybody who thought Logan was good like call it a movie? Like I mean for like 45 minutes, Logan is basically a Clint Eastwood movie from 1985. Yeah. Mm. It's straight up, like, not a superhero movie. Not a guy with mutant powers. It's like... It's like Heartbreak Ridge. It's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's yeah. just from that era. And I think that's what people that's what people liked about it. But in a weird sort of farcical way, it was also a superhero movie. You know? And I just... That's... The right, best wait. romantic comedy I've seen in 20 years was... Opening, I'm not 20 years, but opening minutes of Wonder Woman. I mean, the, when she gets out of Paradise great, Island, great biceps on Robin right. Wright. No, no, not the, the not the Temescara. No, no, scene. I'm just I'm just you brought up Wonder Woman. I just want to put that out. <laughs> Zach Max, since you had to listen to us for two hours, um, you watched Creed yesterday, right? Is your mic I, on? I watched it. I watched it a couple weeks ago. Who won the movie? It's a controversial take, I suppose. Yeah, I think Coogler won it for Stallone because oh, Coogler, that's the best take yet. Yeah, Coogler not only revives Stallone's career as an actor and gets him nominated for for best supporting, but he revives the Rocky franchise, which was dead. So Stallone gets two victories out of this. And we should mention Creed Two is allegedly uh, Creed against Drago's son. No, and Ryan Coogler is not connected. Yeah, it is. Ryan Coogler not connected. Uh, they do. It, it was going to be sliced alone for like five minutes, and then I think uh, is it a safety MBJ brother? Might have might have nudged <laughs> that one out. So anyway, uh, thanks for listening to Rewatchables. Thanks to Cam Collins. Thanks to Sean Fennessy. Thanks to our old friend Wesley Morris, who's devastated over this forty-eight hours news. But you'll be fine. You'll get over it. Uh, subscribe to the Rewatchables. Tell your friends about it. We'll be back with another one soon. Hey, I promised you at the end of this that we would run the Michael B. Jordan story about getting punched for real in Creed. This is from the podcast we did in October 2015. If you want to listen to the whole thing, it is very easy to find on Google. It's on Apple. It's on Stitcher, all the places you would get your podcast. But here's that story right now. But um, (laughs) so I'm glad that you felt you had to honor the tradition of actually. But it seems like so you. Did I show you the video? Which one? I'm gonna show you. I'm actually getting like this one slow mo shot. And it, it was the one where you spit the blood. I remember the, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I showed you that one, right? No, but I saw. I saw the movie. No, but I didn't show you like the actual hit, like in real time. Oh no. Oh man. It's, what happened? I mean, well, well, the first couple times we tried to do it, we tried to do it with slips, you know, and then it's in slow mo, so you can see the the misses, the space yeah. between the punches. So all you, all of a sudden, you just hear the snickering from the corner, and, and everybody's like, "What?" And this slide's like, "Man, you got to take it." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "No, you got to take a real punch." Like pretty much, like you know, I had to, I had to really get hit. And legally, Ryan, he, he would definitely tell you this as a director, he can't legally say, you know, take the punch. So I had to like willingly, like you know, step up and be like, all right, I'll take the hit. But I definitely got peer pressure. All right, um, let me see this. Punch in the face, and he's a little nervous. This little slice of in the back. Yeah, man. That's your initiation. 
in the world around you, so. So my favorite movie is Dead, Dead Man Walking, and I just happen to have the star of the sequel, Dead Man Walking, <laughs> twice. Because the first time we, the, the first time we did the punch, his left glove was in the way, so you couldn't see it connect. So yeah. we had to do it all over again. But this is this is the this is the second time. So you guys are practicing the right hook. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Who was applauding? Everybody in the audience. <laughs> so you got punched in the, in the face and people were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That, that was great. And because they replayed it in slow-mo on the, the Jumbotron so everybody can see it to see whether or not it was got a hit or not. And just the reaction was like, oh. And like the way, like the, I'm not trying to, I'm not, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but no, the, it's, the hit is pretty epic. During one of the fights, and there's a couple fights in the movie, so we're not saying which. Yeah, but it's pretty epic. So did he, t- so the other boxer, we won't say who it was. Yeah. He felt was so there bad. a specific sparty, part of your face that he had to punch? Yeah, he, he went high. like high, So like, like your cheekbone? Yeah, he didn't go for jaw. Because jaw, like, you could break your jaw. Exactly. But you go here, you maybe get a little shiner right. and that's it. Exactly. But if he misses by like a quarter inch... That's my ass. Yeah. I mean, I was smelling canvas though. I mean, it was... it was. Did you get a little punchy? Would I didn't be, get put. No, would no, the no. NFL concussion spotters would have let no, you no, keep no. filming the scene? I mean, you could. I definitely know the, what they say when you see stars. Now I know that expression. Right. It's not. It looks like little. I mean, the best way I could describe it is like if you put you know something under a microscope and you saw little like microscopic little things just like floating around and like in the petri dish. That's kind of what you see. And just don't right. go towards the light. I just said don't go towards the light. Thanks to these guys. Thanks to ZipRecruiter, the 2018 presenting sponsor of the Bill Simmons podcast. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Don't forget to go to TheRinger.com. Don't forget about The Ringer Podcast Network. And don't forget to go through this rewatchables feed if you like this one. Go check out the other movies we've done. I think we're in the 25 to 30 range at this point, including Miami Vice that Chris and I did, even though we're not even sure it's a rewatchable. We love that movie. We didn't care. Uh, Until the next time on The Rewatchables, thank you.